I am Pastor Kerry Willis, District Servant of the Philadelphia District Church of the Nazarene. It is with gladness that I welcome you to an Open Door podcast. Uh, This is a servant leadership conversation as we travel together on the highway of holiness. I pray that your day is amazingly graced. Today is episode four of An Open Door, and I am really happy to let you know that after having my dad's testimony uh, on the last two sessions, today I want to share one more, if you'll let me take personal privilege one more time, and I'd like to share the testimony of my mother, Lady Melba Willis. As I said in episode two, I believe that if we forget where we came from, we won't know where we're going, and we won't know who we are when we get there. And so to set some foundational stones in place, I asked my son Grayson, who is the podcast producer, uh, to go back in the archives and to bring out the testimony of my father, Captain Billy, and of my mother, Lady Melba. Now, my dad is with the Lord. He passed in 2014, and my mother is now 80 years old and still living along the coast of North Carolina and very much a part of my life and ministry, especially in prayer. This is a conversation I had with her a few years ago at her table on Harker's Island, North Carolina. Please lean in. We welcome you to this conversation. I'm Pastor Kerry Willis, and I welcome you to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. Today is a special edition of Front Porch Talks. I have a guest with me. She's not really a guest to me. She happens to be my mom. Her name is Lady Melba. That's what we call her. It's the name we bestowed upon her. And you've heard me talk a lot on Front Porch Talks about my parents and my grandparents. And you know I've talked a lot about my mom and her love for Jesus, her prayer life, her faith walk. And today I'm actually sitting at the home place on Harker's Island, North Carolina. We're sitting at the table and we're going to talk just a little bit today about Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin today. Lord, today we're so grateful to be in your presence and to know your presence is in us. It's all joy for me to sit here with Mom today and and to just talk about the things of the Lord. We feel no pressure, Lord. It's all pleasure for us to come and to lift you up. You said if you would be lifted up, you would draw all people unto yourself. And so today, Lord, we pray that this broadcast will be no different that we're just having a front porch talk, even though we're having it at the kitchen table. It's just a conversation about the things of God. So Lord, thank you for your love and your kindness. And we pray that you will be lifted up during this time that we spend together. In Jesus' name, amen. Mom, it's good to have you here uh, on the program today. Grayson is going to be doing the editing of the program today, and he's been, for quite a while, wanting to make sure we got you interviewed, so to speak, for Front Porch Talks. And I'm just going to begin. You share a little bit of your testimony. You said to me early, I can only share my testimony, and that's really all we care about is kind of your story with the Lord. So just whatever you'd like to share, as much or as little, uh, just share. The people are leaning in, and you just talk to me as if we were just having a conversation about Jesus. When I came to Harker's Island, I thought I was a Christian. But as I looked at my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law's lives, I realized that they had something I didn't. I even went back to my own church 
and tried to profess to be a Christian, but that didn't work. But the Lord, I got under conviction for to be a Christian, and a whole week I just talked to the Lord, and I guess I counted the cost, but it seemed like I couldn't get through. And my mother-in-law said to me, she said, Well, Melba, whatever is in your head has to be put in your heart. Well, I couldn't understand that. But one Sunday morning, the Lord gave me the witness that I was His, and I felt like a little bird out of a cage. And ever since that day, which will be 50 years, November the 20th, He has been my closest friend. He has walked with me, has talked with me, and He is my life. He is everything to me. And I walked along with the Lord for a while, and there came a hunger in my heart. It seemed like I'd get down to pray, and I could get just so far, and I couldn't get any further. And the Lord gave me a hunger for holiness. And one night I was in church, and the Lord said to me, I see it now, that if I'd raised my hand, I would be sanctified. But I didn't do it. I didn't want to do nothing wrong. But I went home the next day, and I said, Lord, if I get back to church tonight, I'm going to raise my hand. And I did. I got sanctified. And that meant I had give everything to the Lord, put everything on the altar, and from then on, whatever came, it wasn't my will, but His will. And I can say that down through the years, He has been one that I have been to, I have trusted in when anything would come that I couldn't handle. I would go to the Lord with it, not people. For one thing, I tried to go to people, but they either had something worse than I did, or they just couldn't help me. So I just learned to lean on the Lord. And He has been my closest friend. He's just, He's everything to me. And I was reading in the book by uh, Dr. Kenlaw about how people want to keep a distance from the Lord so that they can control it. However, Jesus gave His life to humanity and there was only one legitimate response to Him to give yourself to Him like a bride to a bridegroom. Then the Lord Jesus becomes the source of your life and your most precious treasure, and the changes that must come are not terrifying but satisfying. It is this level of intimacy with Him for which human persons were made. And amazingly, the sacrifices made for a love relationship with Jesus do not seem like sacrifices. They become joys, and they bring a deeper freedom than you have ever known. He is longing for your devotion and love. Are you as close to the Lord Jesus as He wants to be to you? That's good, Mom. And um, you started out with your testimony. And I've been preaching revival this week here uh, in the county where I was raised, Carter County, North Carolina. Mom's been in all the services. I'll close out tonight. And we're pre-recording this testimony for Front Porch Talks. It'll play in November about the time of Mom's spiritual birthday, her 50th spiritual birthday and she started out talking a little bit about uh, coming to know Jesus so I think what you were saying mom was you knew about Jesus but you didn't really know Jesus uh, until you sought him and got it from your mind to your heart so to speak like Granny Margie said and then he gave you this witness of his spirit he has his way of letting us know that the work is done and then you begin to talk more about wanting a deeper walk with the Lord you know, we come to Jesus first for forgiveness. We call that salvation. We come to know Jesus. But there's a deeper relationship in knowing the Lord. And that is where we come, not for forgiveness, but we come for heart cleansing. 
Uh, we come for God to be the Lord of our lives, not only our Savior, but He becomes our Lord. Now, He is Lord all along, but we want to make sure He becomes Lord of our lives. And Mom talked about that night when she raised her hand at the revival service, and the Lord sanctified her. And basically what she was doing, she was waving her hand in surrender to the Lord and saying, I give up my right to my life to you. And the Lord immediately took her up on that deal. And I remember that night, I've told that story before, uh, Mom came to me right before service. I had had a little bit of a flu bug. And uh, she said, Carrie, I really need to go to church tonight. I don't have anyone to keep you. See, what I didn't know was the Lord had been dealing with Mom all day. And she'd been dealing with him, and she knew that she needed to get back to that revival service to be obedient. And she said, Carrie, if you just sit on the back row, I'll be up in the choir, and if I see you go out, I'll certainly come and know that you're sick. And uh, I looked up and I saw Mom in the choir, and I could tell she had her eyes somewhere other than on me. And uh, I saw her when she raised her hand up there in the choir, and the Spirit fell and sanctified her heart, and by that time I got sick, and I ran out to church and uh, took mom a while to figure out where I was because she was lost in wonder, love, and praise. And I was behind the holly bush and I was having a little bit of a flu moment. But I want to tell you it was worth every second of it because I saw a deep change in my mom's life, saw peace come over her, saw the power of God and the purity take over. And so it was a small price for me to pay to go to church with the flu so that mom could be obedient and go to that deeper, intimate relationship with God by surrendering everything to Him and saying, Be the master of my life. So when we come to Christ to be saved, we give Him our past mainly. But when we raise our hand like Mom did in surrender, we're trusting Him with the here and now, we're trusting Him with the later, and we just sort of sign at the bottom of a blank contract, and we let Him just fill the blanks in as He sees fit. It's a deep level of trust. And I hope today that some of your hearts have been moved as you have listened to Mom share about not only coming to Christ to know Him and to be forgiven, but to go deeper with Him and to know Him in a deeper way. And that continues every day with Mom. Now, Mom, prayer was pretty important in your life from the get-go. Uh, talk a little bit to us about your prayer life. I know you'd rather not do that. It's not something you talk a lot about. But I think it'll help maybe some parents who are listening and those who are raising children. Just yesterday, I was here on Harker's Island. I stopped by the seafood market uh, to get some soft crabs because my son Grayson, who partners with me on Front Porch Talks, loves soft crabs, and I want to take some back home for him. And the lady in there, an older lady, I've known her all my life, and she looked at me as I was making the exchange of money for crabs, and she said, Carrie, what is it that your parents did so different that their sons turned out to love Him, love God the way that you all do. You all three are preachers. Can you explain that to me? I really couldn't explain it. But one thing I said to her was, well, I believe Mom took prayer a little more serious than the average person, and certainly that's part of it. So, Mom, talk a little bit about your prayer life and why you learned so early in your walk to go to the Lord in prayer. Well, one thing, when I first got saved, I just had the worst feeling when I think of anybody missing heaven. It still, it grips me now. And I guess from that time till even today, that was why the Lord put a burden on me for souls. And I never dreamed he would call my boys in the ministry. I, I mean, I gave them to him. And if he wanted to, he could. But I just wanted souls saved. I just saw how important it was. The most important thing in life is being ready to meet the Lord. 
And that's why he chose the boys. I guess he knew they would say yes, for one thing. But as far as praying, I just learned that the Lord, for a lot of times when I'd pray, I really didn't understand what I was praying for. But the Lord would pray through me. But he knew the need. And he just been a friend that has stuck closer than a brother. And as I gone to walk with him over these 50 years he's just got more dear and more close and he just he's, he's my life my whole life he's my constant companion and uh it's never a time that i just can't call him and say lord i need this or i need help and he's right there and when the boys went in the ministry it wasn't real easy but i had given them to them they had to leave home and go away and i wasn't going to see them at times and it was the same thing when my husband died. I didn't want to part with him, but I had given him to the Lord. And it, it wasn't for me to say it was not my will, but his. And if he wanted Bill and he wanted my boys in the ministry, I wanted his will, not my will, but his will. Because I had surrendered everything to him. And uh, in a way, that is a wonderful thing. Because just like now, I miss my husband. But I know that the Lord worked it out perfectly. When I look back on it, Billy couldn't get better, and he took him with him. And the same way with the boys, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm just so thankful they accepted the Lord's call and went in the ministry. And I tell everybody, if they only win one soul to the Lord, it'll be worth the whole world. And it would be if it was yours. So I just give all the credit in my life to the Lord and whatever in my life shines out, it's His Spirit. It's not me. My life is dead, and my life is hid with Christ in God. And He's just everything to me. And the most important thing is one day I'm going to see Him face to face, the one that I've lived for and been near to and once been near to me. And that's the greatest hope that anybody could have, is to know that one day we'll see Jesus face to face. Amen. And... Uh... You said, Mom, sometimes you didn't know what to pray, but you certainly knew who to pray to. And he knew what you needed before you ever asked. But we still want to be in right relationship with him. And prayer is the way that we stay in right relationship with the Lord. And Mom has certainly done that. And many times we as boys of hers and preachers of the gospel, we have called Mom and said, Mom, please pray. we got some things coming up. And we knew that she would go to prayer immediately. There are people in our local church that all the time ask me, would you please tell your mom we need her prayers? And I'll get word to her because they know mom really prays. You know, the way you learn to pray is by praying. You know, a lot of people, they say, well, how do you pray? Well, it's the same as riding a bike. you got to go out there and get on the bike. You don't learn how to ride a bike sitting in the house. And you don't learn how to pray without praying. And mom has learned that simple and profound reality. And mom, as a young boy, I being your oldest... I was about five years old when you were, say, maybe six. And uh, I remember that first night when you went to the Wednesday night prayer meeting after you had given your life to the Lord. And even at the get-go, I mean at the very onset of your walk with Christ, you had a deep burden for lost souls. And I remember that night they called on you to actually pray at the end of the service, which was kind of, I thought, you know, a new believer is going to throw her right into Greece, you know. But I don't remember everything you prayed, Mom, but I remember you praying, Lord, help us to reach the lost before it's too late. And even as a boy, when we got on the parking lot and I got in the car and you tucked me and my brother Bill in the car seat and you and I were sitting in the front of that Pontiac, 
uh, I looked at you and I said, Mom, who's lost? And you explained to me as only a child could understand how it is that we're lost if we don't know Jesus. And in that moment, I didn't become a believer, but in that moment, I knew I was lost and I was going to need to come to Jesus. And I think that burden transferred over to your boys, that burden for lost souls. And I asked mom one time, I said, mom, what were the main prayers you would pray in that front bedroom when you go lock yourself in with God? And she said, well, I had two main prayers. I prayed a lot of things, but my two main prayers were, Lord, make something out of my boys. And the second thing was, help us to reach the lost. And you didn't know that he was going to answer the second question with the first question or vice versa. So it has been joy for my brother Bill, my brother Stephen, and for me to be ministers of the gospel. And to hear mom say, if we only reach one soul, it would be worth our whole lives. Because we know that we can't give anything in exchange for our soul. Uh, Jesus talked about how one soul is worth the whole world in Matthew 16. And mom really believes the word of God and she believes that. While we've been in revival this week, we have one more night to go. But we've had 20 people receive Christ this week uh, during the revival. And mom's been praying. She's been a part of that. And so it's been worth it all this week uh, to be here at Mom's, uh, to have some time with her, but also to see answers to her prayers still happening. Uh, now, Mom, you were talking a little bit about Dad. Uh, in 2014, our dad, uh, Billy, went to be with the Lord. As a matter of fact, Mom and I have uh, been down to the cemetery this week. And just before I began this recording, my wife Kim and I took another trip down uh, to the local island cemetery. It's raining here today as we record. And uh, I just took a picture through the rainy window of my dad's grave. We miss him terribly. Uh, he was a, a real life. He brought a lot of joy and humor to our lives. A very sincere man about the things that matter. And uh, he went to be with the Lord after a battle with cancer, November 17th. So we're coming up on that as we're recording today. And uh, November the 17th, dad went to be with the Lord. Uh, now, Mom, you've been here. You know, my brothers and I, we live out of North Carolina, two of us in Virginia, one in Tennessee, and you're kind of here. I mean, we have some extended family uh, close by, but not very many. Uh, but, Mom, you spend a lot of time with the Lord. So talk to us a little bit about how it is uh, to be here, uh, to be, quote, unquote, you know, by yourself as far as anyone else human in the house. But uh, how is it that you and the Lord, what is the relationship that you've experienced uh, since Dad has gone to be with the Lord and since we are away still as ministers in other areas? Well, I read somewhere, or it may be in a song, that Jesus is closer than your hands and feet. <laughs> now, how much closer could that be? He just like if he was in, like Jesus is in the house with me. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but he's there, and I just feel him all the time, and he's just, he's my life. He's just everything. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Mom. And I say when I'm preaching often that Jesus is not interested in being part of your life. He's not interested in being first place in your life. Not even interested in being the center of your life. Jesus is interested in being your life, period. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we really have no life apart from Him. And I preached a message just recently titled, Jesus is my everything. And another message titled, Knowing Jesus is everything. So these ideas came from Mom, I'm assuming. I mean, I just picked it up from her because she lived the life that Jesus is my life and He is my everything. And I know, Mom, you have a discipline, but it's more of a devotion. You get up pretty early a lot of mornings. 
and you go into what I call the inner sanctum, which is our living room here, and uh, you have some good books that you read, and you just wait on the Lord, and you've said even a moment ago that the Lord is closer than your hands and feet. You've told me He's right here with me, Carrie, and I know that you mean He's with you and within you, bringing the witness of His Spirit in many ways, but you've taught us to read some good devotionals, and we've shared a few with you. Uh, but uh, if you'd like to read a few pages or anything that you might have paperclip there in Dr. Kinlaw's book, this is Dr. Dennis Kinlaw's book titled This Day with the Master. And this is one of the books I gave to mom a few years ago because it meant so much to me, and I knew it would mean a lot to her. So if there's anything in there, Mom, that you just want to read, uh, just let us hear you read a sampling of some of the things you and the Lord spend time talking about. Well, in this book it says, When a person spends enough time in the presence of God, problems begin to fade into the background, and God's greatness begins to loom large. And it's about a psalm that among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, Amen. is the scripture, Psalms 86, 8. And this psalm is a classic picture of the way the most serious and intense problems melt away in the presence of Almighty God before whom they seem insignificant. As David faces God, he gets the true perspective on reality. His problems diminish and God's glory increases. Now, Mom, as the mother of uh, three sons, but especially as the wife of a fisherman, you've known a little bit about some problems in life. Uh, you said something recently to me, and I, I think you even said it on this broadcast today, that you learned not to go to people with your real problems because they had their own problems and they really couldn't help you. So when you have problems, how is it you bring that to the Lord? How is it that you trust Him with that? Is it because of the track record of His faithfulness and other things maybe? I just talk to those today who may be listening. and They have problems that seem larger than life. Uh, what would you say to them? What would you ask them to do to find passage through those difficult times? Well, these things don't come overnight. This was a process. I started out, and when I first started out going to the Lord, the enemy was really strong. But some kind of way, I pushed on. But you know, after all these years, I get up of a morning, and I even uh, lately have gone in there and sat down with the Lord before I even washed my face or brushed my teeth. And it seems like when I sit down, He just comes. His presence is so real. But like I say, you just have to keep praying and keep praying. And, and like I said, this has been 50 years. I've been sanctified 48 years. And it's just a process that you keep on. You don't give up. You just keep on praying. And uh, you know, really, you don't, you don't know what the Lord's going to do. It's like the boys, how it happened with them. It was like Rhoda when they were praying for Peter to get out of prison. And they were praying about it. But when he came to the door, they couldn't believe it. Well, that's kind of like it is with the way that he worked in the boys' lives because they already, Carrie was a photographer, Bill and Joe a banker, Stephen a school teacher, and I thought that their lives were already fixed for that. But the Lord stepped in and called them in the ministry. Yeah, and I know that it's, it's not something that you were looking for, but when you say to God, not my will but thine be done, right. uh, he does things that we didn't even imagine, and it's humbling. I mean, we are sons of fishermen. And we are fishermen for the sun. And our lives have been beautiful. Not easy. Uh, we've shared different loads. Bill, my brother, Stephen, my brother, and myself. We've had different kinds of loads to carry. But today, as my brother and I, Bill, we're talking on the phone. We're talking about some burdens in ministry and in life. 
there was a song that came to me, an old hymn uh, that says the cross is not greater than his grace. In other words, the cross that we've been asked to carry may be heavy, but his grace can handle the cross. And so whenever we have problems, we just have to get more intimate with him. If he is magnified, then our problems are minimized. But if we continue to face only the problem without facing Jesus first, uh, then we're going to have nothing but problems staring us in the face and eyes. Now, we're still going to have problems, even though we're intimate with Jesus, but we have a different way of looking at them. Recently, we lost a dear friend uh, to the Lord. I mean, he came and got her. We know she's not lost. We know she's with him. But the sense is that uh, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. So even when we have a problem, even if that problem is death itself in the family, we have this sense that our God is greater than death. If we believe in a resurrected Savior, then certainly we must believe that He's greater even than death. Doesn't mean that death is easy. I mean, we said goodbye to our father at the hospice house here in 2014, and it was a difficult day for us, but we knew we were not losing Dad. We knew Jesus had come for Him, and we will see Him again. Now, Mom, I know also you like some music. You like to rely on some music every now and then. Uh, sometimes I catch you playing music when I call you on the telephone. And uh, are there any songs that come to mind even now, songs that have been encouraging to you or songs you like to listen to over and over? Uh, anything that just might bring a little encouragement to those who listen? One song that I couldn't find in the hymn book but one of my friends found was Jesus is always there. Wow. Never a burden that he doth not carry. Never a sorrow that he doth not share. Whether the day may be sunny or dreary, Jesus is always there. And another song in the garden, he walks with me and talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful, Mom. Well, is there anything else you want to say that you haven't said? Uh, anything you would like to, you know, just tell the people who might be listening? Uh, if you could say to them, the most essential thing in your life you need to know is this. What would you say? Well, a lot of things in my life I didn't understand. And there was one thing especially that I had to pray about a lot. But I would get just so far with that and the Lord would say, Now, Melba, this is a a trial and a temptation and maybe he's given it to you that you will pray for souls where you wouldn't pray if you didn't have this trial so that way I would just say Lord well your will be done but all these things a lot of things were not easy but you know my greatest desire I never wanted to displease the Lord I always wanted to please him and that was my great I never wanted to do anything against him because of how much he did for me. He died on the cross, shed his precious blood. And I've always, uh, different things the enemy would say to me about others. I'd say, that hadn't got anything to do with me. And the Bible says, work out your own salvation Amen. with fear and trembling. And that's what I've tried to do, to know that what others do, I'm not going to give an account for. But all I'm going to give an account for is my own self, and I've tried to do that. Yes, you have. And you've trusted God and have done it. Uh, Mom, just short, you don't have to get long on this, but maybe just offer a prayer blessing for whoever may be listening today and just pray to God, talk to Him like you do, and we'll ask those who are listening sort of lean in and let's uh, just join together in prayer as Mom leads us. 
Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the day that you dealt with our unworthy soul. And we thank you, Lord, that you helped us to say yes to you. We've never been sorry. And I have forgotten a lot of things in my life, but I have never forgotten the time that you saved me and sanctified me. And I hope I never do. And I just want to encourage you to keep on praying. Don't give up. The Lord is faithful. Sometimes he don't answer our prayers like we want them, but he will answer them according to his will. Yes. And Lord, we love you. You're so precious to us. And just help us all to make heaven our home when we leave this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. I know mine loves the old hymns. So we're going to close this program out with my friend Nikki Clark singing Amazing Grace. We pray that today's broadcast has been a half hour of hope for your life. So from Harker's Island, North Carolina, I say, good day, mates. Blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for this latest episode of An Open Door. Please be in prayer for the podcast that it will reach other souls before it's too late. Not only that it will encourage believers, but somehow this podcast will also serve to rescue the perishing. Just remember, presence matters most. No invisible people. Unity. You are loved.